you became a man. You took on human form. And you became the sacrifice for us. Lord, we just give you praise because great are you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that through every, as we sang the song, I know the battle, through every situation, no matter what's going on, we can turn it over to you and we can, you can shower us with praise. When we speak your name, we, we shout your praise. We thank you. We thank you this morning, God, for your blessings on us. And we thank you this morning for your amazing grace. And we just praise you and thank you. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You know, I want to, um, this morning I'm going to be talking about Christmas love. And this may be different than, <laughs> a little different than you've ever heard before. But it just really hit me. And then I, I went to doing some research on some different things. And I was like, wow, this is, this is an awesome thing. The love that Christ has for us. And I... Um, as I was thinking about that and as I think about as we look at that and as we look into who Jesus is and the sacrifice that he made, I'm like, it's, it's, it's just awesome. You know, and, and, I, and I love to have news of joy, amen? And Jesus was news of joy. So I just want to, this week as we were um, in our prayer time and, you know, we have Zoom, anybody wants to Zoom in and, and um. Matt Curran usually zooms in a lot, and then he zoomed in, and then he shared something with us that was just like, praise God. <laughs> but um, Matt accepted Christ like two weeks ago at home. I just thank the Lord. They've been coming for a while and, and becoming a family, but welcome him into the family this morning. That's just, you know, it's just awesome to me to know that, you know, praise God, that God is moving and he's moving through each one of us and he's not just you know something but that's just awesome we welcome you into the family of God amen and we love you and it's going to be an exciting journey and an exciting trip so I want to want you to know this one you know God loves you right how many of you really know that you know that God loves you amen and it, you, we all have a special place in his heart his arms are always wide open, right? You know, can we kind of think of, uh, you know, as, as fathers and mothers and all that in our life that, that our kids always have a place in our arms, right? No matter what they're doing, what they go through, no matter how upset you get with them, you know, they can always come running back to you. And I um, just want you to know that. And, and I want to bring something to this whole thing today about how much Christ loved us. And, and, and we always think about, like Darren was talking about, the sacrifice on the cross and how at Easter, how he gave his life. But do you know what it cost him to come down to earth? Do you know how much love he had to have to come down to earth and take on human form and, 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 and stand in our place? That was kind of a death in itself. He had to come down 
He was the king of kings. You know, he was sitting on the throne. He was one of, he's part of the Trinity. He's sitting on the throne with God. He's in there, and he, has to, he completely has to empty himself of who he is. That's love, guys. That's, that's love as, as great as anything you can think of. Here is here, all he had to give up to come down to earth and become human. And you know, the, the, there's nothing else that he could have done to, to, to really, for us to realize, him to realize how he felt and us to realize who he is in and through us. First John, I mean John, excuse me, John 1.14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and be, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, who was, it says he was the Word, he became flesh. Jesus became flesh. Now think about this. You know, um, it's, it's a fundamental thing to us as Christians that Jesus became flesh, right? He came down to earth. He became flesh. He lived. He died. Then he was, re he was resurrected from the dead. He went back into heaven, took his place on the throne, and he did that for us. So I don't want us to, when I say Christmas love, I want us to recognize the love that Jesus had, first of all, just to become and be born. I mean, you got to love somebody <laughs> to leave everything that you are to just make sure that they're all right. You hear what I'm saying? To make sure that they're all right. You know, and if, if, if that had not happened, you know, in, in, in the Old Testament, God was, you know, he was the Almighty. He was king of kings and yes he still is and he never loses that place but then when Jesus came to earth he became accessible to you and me more so right he became accessible he, be, he lives inside of us when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior he's accessible he's a God who is accessible there are a lot of false gods out there but they're not accessible he came and he lived among us. He shared, he shared in the joys and in the sorrow of being a human. Right? We know in our, this earth we have joys and we have sorrows and we have things that happen. Jesus shared all that. You know what? He shared it and he did it in such a way that allows us to look at how we can do that. How can we be in this world and have these things happen? But how can we can walk through that like Jesus did? Um, he understands the good along with the bad. Life is good and sometimes life is not so good. Right? Sometimes as things happen that you just like, really? Did that have to happen? But when we understand who Christ is in us and we allow his spirit to live in us and we renew our minds, we talk about that a lot, renewing our mind with the word of God is, is in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We realize who Christ is. And so in all this, in, in Christ coming, in the love that he had for us, see, he, he, part of, he was showing us the way. 
He was showing us how to live life on this earth and make it through all that stuff. Right? Amen? He was showing that to us, and it makes it a whole lot easier on us when we know that Jesus has walked through what we've walked through. You know, and sometimes we don't realize, sometimes we're in the midst of it and we don't think about it. But, you know, I know in my life when I'm going through stuff and, and, I, and I'm, I'm like, really, really? And then I realize Jesus felt what I'm feeling. He came in to a human body and he took on everything that we ever, ever could come up against. And so, and then in that, we have to think about his love, how much he had to love us. You know, you, you ever seen your children go through something and you just, you, you, have you ever thought that? You're like, if I could just take their place, I could do this for them, right? And in a sense, we do. We encourage them. We love on them. But Jesus came. And he did that. You can kind of, if you're a parent, you can kind of feel that, what kind of love that was. But Jesus' love was unbounded. He, he was in a different place than we are. He was, he, I mean, he was in heaven. And he had to, like, empty himself of that and come down here and become one of us. So Paul... I'm going to read a scripture in a moment that Paul wrote to the Philippians. And I'm, when you think about it, so what Paul, when you think about this, what Paul's really saying in this is that this is what Jesus came to do. And this is kind of a pathway, kind of a, a, a pattern for this. But listen to this Philippians 2 1, starting in verse 1 through verse 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and have one mind. So what he's saying here, you know, uh, Paul's writing to these Philippians that he knows And he's saying, you know, if you understand this love that Christ has, you can walk in it. It says, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded. In other words, it's kind of like a teacher looking at his students, at their students, and the teacher is like, bam. You know, if you years later you get to see a teacher and you get to, they get to see that you're walking the path and maybe you made a change maybe you did you affected them somehow do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit when jesus came to earth there was no <laughs> there was no selfish ambition in that was there it was all for us it was all for us our vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourself Jesus' love valued us and still does above who he was. Above the fact that he was God. He valued us over that. He valued us, humanity, 
above who he really was. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Even when it got tough, even when it got hard, even when he was going through the Garden of Gethsemane, even when he was going up to the cross, he was bypassing his own interests. Even though there was a time or two when he was like, okay, God, can we just do it some other way? But he knew. He didn't even have to get the answer from God, right? His love for us was like, no, I know this is the only way that's going to happen. I know this is it. So his interest was for us. He put us above who he was. He, his love transcended who he was. His love for us went way beyond who he was. And then he goes on and says, Paul, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The same mindset. We got to have that same kind of love that Christ had. Even though when it's, it's hard Maybe you're working along somebody in the, in the church or whatever, and you're like, you know, but you got to have the same mindset that Christ did. He loved us. He loved us. You know what? And sometimes when we're dealing, you know, it's, it's frustrating when you're dealing with, say, your younger children, your teenagers, your grown children, whatever, and you want them to be where you're at, but they can't be right then. But your love for them transcends your um, anger with them, I might say, or whatever. Like, can't you just get it? Can't you just see? It says, who in the being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? When the enemy, when Satan told him, turn the stones into bread. He could have been thinking about himself. But you know, there's a song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Well, the whole time he was here, I was on his mind. Everything he did was according to what was on his mind. It was us. He could have turned those stones into bread, and that would have been it. But he knew he had a fleshly tugging. He had a human body. He had a fleshly tugging that was tugging on him, but he knew what he had to do. He could have jumped off the cliff. He could have done all those things that the enemy wanted him to do, but he didn't because he did not take the fact that he was God or he was equal to God to use to his own advantage. His love went past that. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He became a servant. He served others. He washed the feet of the disciples. He showed them what it was to be a servant. That's why around here we teach about servant leadership. If you're not willing to be a servant, you're not willing to be. A, you're not going to be a leader. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, you know when 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 you saw him, he he was a man. He just walked up over there. Who is that guy? Right? You would have said that. That's what they said. Who is this guy? 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. He was obedient to God to death. He was obedient to his purpose. He was obedient to the love that he had for us till his death. Even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. So what Paul is saying here, we need to be like Jesus. We need to have the kind of love that Christ has for us. A selfless lifestyle and selfless thinking. And in this day and time and in this world, that's a hard thing to do. Because everything's about me, mine. I want it, I want it now. You know, and in the last couple of years, some of us have had to wait for some things. <laughs> right? Even in the drive-thru. You should go through and get it, boom, boom, boom. Not always, but sometimes. But now... Pull up to this place and the drive throughs wrapped around the building and out up in the street and everything else. And you're like, well, most of the time we're like, I ain't waiting for that. I just won't do it. So this is what Christmas is about. The love that Jesus brought, we need to carry on. Amen? The love that Jesus brought into our lives, into our hearts, we need to carry that. That needs to be who we are. Love. Love. Christ's love, the love of God, the love of Jesus needs to be in our hearts. You know, not, not this worldly love that I love you as long as you look good and as long as you help me out and as long as I like you. I went to a wedding one time and, 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 and I was asked to sing. And I had to sing this song that I was like, really? I was already a Christian at the time. I had a friend... Yeah, I, I can't do it. Can you go do it for me? And I was like, sure. Before I even found out what I had to sing, it was a song called Time in a Bottle. I never sang it in my life. I had to learn to play it on the guitar and sing it. And then, you know what the wedding vows were? I will love you until I don't anymore. That's basically what the wedding vow said. I will love you as long as I love you. Oh, well, excuse me. If that's the way people go into a marriage, that's the reason it don't last. I love you as long as you love me. I love you as long as I can. Well, no. What if Jesus said that? Who would have been in trouble? So Jesus, he became a man. He gave up his immortality to become mortal. I want to, this is not in your notes or anything else, but I, I ran across this this morning. You know how I am about running across stuff in and I thought, I can't put all this on there. So I want you to listen. I, these are seven reasons that Jesus became flesh. First of all, to reveal the Father. John 17, 25, and 26 says, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So the first thing 
He came flesh to reveal the Father, who God really was. He's a Father. We never knew who God really was as a Father until Jesus came and revealed that He is the Father. The second, He became flesh to be our example. You know, it's really awesome to me that He can't because He knew we couldn't do it. This is, he had to be who it is. And it says, this is in John 13, 15. I, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He said, here, I'm, I'm your example. Do what I've done. Be who I am. The third one is to break the curse. You know, we were, we were under a curse. You know, uh, back in the Old Testament, God tells his people, choose. Curse or blessing, that's up to you. You choose it. I choose blessing. <laughs> I don't want the curse. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole or who hung on the tree. He became that curse for us. He also became the curse. He, be, he became flesh to fulfill the requirements of the law. In Matthew 5, 17, do you think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I've come to fulfill the law. He also came, and we know that, and we talked a little bit about that already, but he came to shed his blood. He came to become that ultimate sacrifice. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that, he has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world with his own blood, not the blood of goats and cows. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. He became our sacrifice. He shed his blood. He came to become flesh, to shed his blood, to be the perfect sacrifice. And then he came, became flesh to carry our sin and our iniquities. Peter 2, 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin, and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you who believe have been healed. He came to carry our sin and our iniquities. And the last one is, he became flesh to truly become our high priest and our advocate. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest is ours. He did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it. 
He became our high priest, high priest and our advocate. He's standing there when the enemy accuses us, and he said, oops, let me get in between that. I paid the price for this guy, a girl, or whatever. Excuse me. I paid the price. So therefore, they're not guilty. They're not guilty. They're not guilty. They are innocent. We are innocent not because of anything we did, we've done, or anything that we can do, but because of the blood of Jesus. Somehow or another, especially after we get saved, and sometimes we think that we have got to do all this stuff to become innocent. We don't. We do the right thing. We do what we're supposed to do because of what Christ did for us. Not to get that way, not to get forgiveness. So Jesus became a man. He became flesh. And then he became a servant. As I said before, he washed the disciples' feet. He came to serve. He came to be a servant for us. He was an example. You know, we don't have a lot of record of his early years until he started his ministry, but I'm sure if you'd have been around, you would have seen who he was and what kind of servant he was. He's, he was the example of that. We have to learn to be servants. And you know what that means sometimes? That means pulling away from who you are to who you should be. Being willing to do anything that you need to do. Being willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, that's who I try to be as much as possible. You know, I, I don't come in here and I see a mess on Sunday morning. I come in here early. And I don't say, well, let me call somebody right quick and get them to come fix that mess. I don't do that. Or I don't just leave it. I feel like I, I need to get it. It was a mistake. It was whatever. So let me get it fixed up and cleaned up. And some people say, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, it's okay. It's okay. We need to learn to be servants. We need to learn to love somebody so much that we're willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to win their heart. Whatever it takes to show them who Christ really is. And then Jesus became a sacrifice. We already talked about that a little bit, but he who knew no sin became sin. Just imagine. We're born into sin, whether people realize it or not. When we're born babies, we're born into sin, Right? We are, we are um, not born innocent as far as that's concerned. He carried our sins on the cross. Um, he became a sacrifice. You know, I think about sometimes what am I willing to sacrifice for somebody else? to sacrifice for somebody else 
to be born again? In other words, am I willing to sacrifice who I am or who I think I am in order to see someone come to Christ? Am I willing to serve? Am I willing to be a sacrifice? Am I willing to give up something so that I can be a witness to somebody, so I can be who Jesus would have been to them, who Paul would have been to them, who one of the disciples would have been them? Am I willing to do that or am I so caught up in what I want? See, sometimes you you know, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. I don't know why they don't come to Christ. How do you act around them? Are you willing to sacrifice your wants and your needs? It's mighty quiet. Are you willing to sacrifice your wants to make sure somebody else gets what they need or maybe just gets shown love. You know, sometimes we're easy to judge. We see a person and we're immediately like, oh, well, I'm just going to imagine who they are. Maybe it's the way they dress. Maybe it's the way they wear their hair or, or whatever. See, according to God's law, sin has to be atoned for. So Jesus had to be that sacrifice. Or we'd still be killing goats and sheep. And y'all would be bringing them to me and I'd be slaughtering them. Thank God I don't have to do that. And it was good for a temporary, it was only temporary. But what Jesus did was eternal. It had lasting effect forever and ever and ever. So he became a sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I'm reading this out of the Passion. It says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. How do we become the righteousness of God? Through union with Christ. So when we're talking about love, this is something Jesus had to do. But you know what? Love requires demotion. Now, we always like to be promoted, right? Remember, I don't know how they do it now, but when I was in school, we wanted to get that last report card, and we wanted to have it written on the bottom of a promoted to the next grade, whatever that was, right? Any of y'all remember that? If you didn't see that, then you didn't want to take your report card home. They used to give it to you. You wanted to just hide it as long as you could till you were asked for it. I never had to do that, praise God. But I had friends that did. Love requires demotions. Jesus had to be demoted, right? He had a, a and he um, willingly did that. God didn't say, I'm demoting you to that. No, he said, I'll do it. I'm willing to be I'm willing to come off this throne so that mankind can know my father. So he became a servant. He was demoted rather than being affluent and wealthy. You know, rather than coming down to earth and I'm God, so y'all just bow down. He didn't do that. 
He became our Savior. But, you know, one of the, I think, we don't think about is that first step. You know, the motions are sometimes in steps. But the first step he had to do was to be born a man. And he wasn't, it wasn't in some nice little hospital with everything clean and fresh, right? Most of us couldn't even have imagined that happening. Nobody's like me as a husband, I didn't want that to happen. We were always like at least 20 minutes from the hospital, and Peggy would be having contractions like two minutes apart. And she said, Let's just wait. I said, Mm 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 mm. I don't know what to do, how to do it, or if I can do it. So we hit in the road, even though the most time we had to wait a couple, two or three hours. I was like, no way. No way. But could you imagine when Jesus was born into the earth, what that was like? And you know what the first thing he smelled was? A nasty old barn. Right? What's a barn smell like? You ever been in a barn? If you hadn't, you need to experience that one day. Don't smell good, right? What's usually in a barn? Cow manure, sheep manure, whatever kind of animal you got, that's what's in the barn. That's what you smell. That was his first taste of earth. And what kind of sounds did he have? Like, a bleeding calf or a sheep, well, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. That's the first thing he experienced. Coming from, I don't know what it's like in heaven. I don't know what it smells like in heaven. But I don't smell like a barn, I don't think. We don't have any idea what that first Christmas, as we call it, that first birth, that first coming to earth, what that had to mean to him. And him becoming, all of a sudden, he's in a human body. Now, he's a little baby, I'm sure. I mean, I know. But, you know, I wonder if as he got old enough to think a little more, he's like, really, I did this? I came from my nice, comfortable heavenly home with my father who there were there's nothing that wasn't provided at the time see you know we're born selfish right we're born selfish and we we want our needs met right you don't believe it when you have that baby what do they do when they get hungry what happens they wake you up in the middle of the night right three or four times right Jesus got up, you know, it's kind of like being from uninterrupted to fellowship. In other words, uninterrupted fellowship with God to a place that stinks, don't sound that good, nothing else. And then there's somebody out to kill you on top of that. All this is happening. 
And Jesus did it on purpose because he loves us. He did it on purpose because he loves us. He wasn't forced to do it. He wasn't commanded to do it. He did it on purpose. He did it because of his love for us. So love requires demotions. But a lot of times instead of following that love and allowing ourselves to be demoted to a certain part, you know what we want in life and what the human nature is, we want to dominate, right? We want to dominate. We want to be in control. I'm going to be in control of my life. I'm going to get what I want when I want it and do what I want. not going to be lowered to that. Jesus had to give all that up. Jesus and somebody said, well, he was God. He didn't think that. But when he came into this human body, he did. He had all the, the, the enemy put in his mind. He had all the feelings that the human body has. He had to sacrifice all that too. He had to become that. So what I want us to understand is that we have to realize God's love in our life. We have to realize that love, and, and we have to want that love to be the kind of love that we have. And it doesn't come through just, what do you say, osmosis or whatever that word is? It's purposed. Jesus had to be purposed to come to earth. We have to be purposed to live that life that Christ wants us to live. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you what? Trust in him. When we put our trust in him, he makes his home in our hearts. And see, the more that we trust him, the more that we put our hearts love in him, he comes into our hearts and the more we can become like him. The more we can do like him. The more we can be who he's called us to be. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. What keeps you strong? How rooted and grounded you are in the love of Christ, in God's love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. In other words, you can't go too far up. You can't go too far down. You can't go too far this way. That's how deep his love is. Wherever you go, his love is with you. Right? Wherever we go, his love is with us. And we're called to be examples of that love here on earth. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. In other words, we get experience this love and we can grow down deep, but we'll never fully understand, especially while we're here on earth, how deep his love is, how great his love is. We won't fully ever understand that, right? We can do what we can do, and the more we grow in him, the more we be like him, we'll be like him, the more we will love, the more we will be able to pour out that love, but we will never fully understand His love for us. 
Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When we grow down deep into his love, deep, deep, deep into his love, you know, there's, I found this little short little thing that kind of depicts what we need, what Jesus did. Listen to this. It says, a father put his four-year-old son to bed. Having finished prayers, stories, and all the little bedtime things, he kissed his son and turned the light off. His son started sobbing, don't leave me. I'm scared and don't want to stay here alone. And so the father tried to encourage the little boy by reminding him of God's presence and reminding him that they had had devotions. We just talked about God and his love, and I just prayed with you, and I've told you the good stories of God. So, you know, hey, he's with you. He's with you. The little boy said, I want somebody with skin on. Wow. You know, this is the message of Jesus coming in flesh or the incarnation. I want somebody with skin on. That's what we needed well, somebody with skin on, right? To show us that love. I, I thought that was so awesome. I want somebody with skin on. You tell me about God all you want to, but I want to see something. I want that love wrapped up in skin. Well, Jesus did that for us, right? You know what? We need to do this season of Christmas as we celebrate. We need to tell someone else how much God loves them. We need to say, well, how do you know God's love? It's because he came and he did this. There's another little story I found. I never heard this, but I thought it was pretty good. It says, there's a legend which tells about the return of Jesus to glory after his time on earth. Even in heaven, he bore the marks of his earthly experience with his cruel cross and painful death. The angel Gabriel approached him and said, Master, you must have suffered ter terribly for men down there. I did, he said. And Gabriel continued, Do they know all about how you love them and what you did for them? Oh, no, said Jesus, not yet. Right now, only a handful of people in Palestine know. Gabriel was perplexed. Then what have you done, he asked, to let everyone know about your love for them? Jesus said, I've asked Peter. I've asked James. I've asked John and a few more friends to tell other people about me. Those who are told will in turn tell other people about me, and my story will be spread to the farthest reaches of the globe. Ultimately, all of mankind will have heard about my life and what I have done. Gabriel frowned and looked rather skeptical. He knew very well what poor stuff men were made of. Yes, he said. But what if Peter and James and John grow weary? What if the people who come after them forget? What if way down through the centuries people just don't tell others about you? Haven't you made any other plans? And Jesus answered, I haven't made any other plans. I'm counting on them. 21 centuries later, he still has no other plan. His plan is us. He's entrusted us with the gospel. So, What's the Christmas message? What's the Christmas message of love? It's the love of Jesus. His see, we we and and, and, he, and he did he sacrificed on the cross. That was love. But you know, his first emotion, his first step was 
the love he had to have to come down to earth and to become that. So he came down to earth knowing what he was going to become, and then he spent 33 years of becoming that. That's love. That's the love that we have of who Jesus is in our life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the love of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. You know, I was just thinking about all the different things that are happening. You know, we get busy. We get all this time of year, and we tend to forget. But, you know, when somebody says, what's Christmas all about? It's about the love of Jesus being spread. It's about Jesus' love. You know, do you know how much he loves you? Do you know how much he loved you this morning? Does everybody in here know how much Jesus loves us? <laughs> Close your eyes this morning as we pray and ask God to... You know, I just pray this morning that you experience God's true love this morning. Maybe you don't know that true love. Those of you who are watching online, those of you everywhere, You know, Jesus paid a great sacrifice. And we as the body of Christ, we as Christians who have accepted him, don't need to taint that by just running back and forth, back and forth. We need to be who God called us to be all the time. We need to be love to others. We need to be the love of Jesus to others. That's willing to sacrifice. That's willing to be to come down off of who we are and become who we need to become to those around us. Father, I pray for your power and for your anointing upon our lives this morning. Lord, I pray that we would realize the sacrifice that you made just to come to earth, just to leave your throne and to come and become into a human body and feel everything we feel, every pain, every sickness, every disease, every hurt, Father, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you that you are awesome this morning. And Father, I just pray for all those out there. We pray for those who are sick, those who can't be with us this morning, those who are watching online that need a touch from you. We pray for, for um, Dale in Cleveland, Tennessee. Lord, we just pray that you touch his body. And Lord, we just thank you so much for your many blessings. Lord, I just pray this week that we would contemplate the love that you have for us to come down and to become with us. And we would share that the rest of this month. We would share that forever, but especially in this time when sometimes there are open opportunities to share. When somebody says, what is Jesus really to you? What does Jesus' love mean to you? What is Je Who is this Jesus? So he is love that came down into flesh. He loved us enough to step down from his heavenly throne to become a servant, to become a sacrifice. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon your people this morning. I pray that, that we would have a perspective of who you really are, Father. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.